Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. This is Sports Crutch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Well, the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine is in the books, and we are just over seven weeks away from the 2022 NFL Draft. Thus, today, we continue our annual Dash to the Draft series with the first in-depth look at this class by position. The position group we're going to look at today, offensive line, and our good friend Jeff Barnes of Cover2Draft.com, that is cover, followed by the digit 2, Draft.com is here with us to give us his take on this crop of road raiders and pass protectors. Welcome back to the program, Jeff. How you doing? Thanks again for having me. It's always a pleasure coming on. Always a pleasure having you on, Jeff. And uh, let's start with the offensive tackles. And uh, as uh, you know, and as consensus around draft Twitter and the league, the battle for the best offensive tackle in this class is between Alabama's Evan Neal and North Carolina State's Akeem Icky Aquanu. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of speculation that the Jaguars are going to take one of those two with the first overall pick, assuming they do not go with Aiden Hutchinson. And it's very, very, very possible that they go with Aiden Hutchinson uh, because it was revealed that uh, Trent Balky is a big, big, big fan of Aiden Hutchinson. Who wouldn't be? So the Jaguars have a dilemma either way. But let's say for the moment that they are going to choose between one of these two tackles with the first overall pick. If you were in the Jaguars war room, and you were debating between Evan Neal and Iki Aquanu, who would you pound the table for and why? Ooh, that's a tough question. And it's a tough predicament for those guys because it's, you get two tackles who are very good, freaky athletic. One's a little more finesse than power. Um, Aquanu, of course, being the more powerful of the two, the bruiser. I think overall, when you look at it, if, if it was up to me, I would prefer Aquanu. Um, I, I like the the mean streak. I like the physicality. Uh, one of the things I like in my old lineman when I'm when I've built teams is the ability to finish. He's one of those guys that does that. Neil has that ability. It's a little more finesse though, a little more wall off and seal on the run game, and a little more control passing aggression. So overall, to me, although if you look at grades, I think they grade very similar. Neil most likely is going to have a slight edge, but overall, I, I like Aquanu. Yes, you can't go wrong with either. Both of them have equally as high a ceiling and equally as high of a floor. But uh, let's play a devil's advocate against your argument, so to speak. Um, a lot of people believe that Evan Neal is the most polished of the two right now. And uh, when if you're picking one overall and you're choosing between these two tackles, you might want to go with a little bit more of a sure thing at the moment. So that would be my personal case for Evan Neal. What would you say to rebut that? There's nothing to rebut there. That's, a, that's another smart take on it. Uh, polish is always a good thing. It's less you have to teach a guy, the, the easier he fits in at the next level. I think one of the things that people like about Aquano even more is he can play both sides or you can kick him inside. I think, especially as he's learning the position even more. So I think that's why you have that really big infatuation with Aquano, but Neil is way more polished. Uh, of course, coming out of Bama, those guys get pro training. So he's going to be a lot more polished than coming out of NC state. Oh, definitely. And uh, we just uh, illustrated why should the Jaguars uh, choose between one of these two tackles at one, it's going to be a very, very difficult decision. And another hot offensive tackle prospect that's expected to go pretty early on day one is Charles cross of Mississippi state renowned NFL draft guru, Dane Brugler of the athletic 
said that NFL evaluators that he's spoken to are absolutely torn on Cross. Some see him as a top 15 pick because of his special pass protection skills, yet others see him as an Andre Dillard level bust in waiting due to his lack of ideal power. That said, word has it that the Carolina Panthers are highly considering taking him at six overall. What is your opinion on Charles Cross, and is he worth a top 10 pick? Uh, I like Charles Cross. Uh, going into this season, he was my tackle one. I, unfortunately, he didn't have as good a season as the guys we mentioned before, nor did he outshine the uh, small school guys like Ryman and um, Penning out of uh, Northern Iowa. So when you look at how he's played, I think overall – having the time off has allowed those guys to also gain on them. So if you're one of those scouts that's kind of torn on them, that you're not sure about them, if if he didn't grade out a lot higher than those guys, I wouldn't take him in a top 10. I think overall, if you can, um, if you're not satisfied with um, him at the uh, top 10 pick, if you have somebody higher, take the higher pick, come back, there'll be other tackles in the second round. Oh, definitely, man. And speaking of Trevor Penning, there's buzz that he is also in play for the Panthers with that sixth overall pick. While his physical pissed off playing style may be endearing to several teams, it's pretty clear that he is currently as raw as sushi, so to speak. What specific details in Trevor Penning's game need the most work? And do you think all his flaws are correctable? His flaws are correctable. When you look at it, the biggest flaws that he has are with his pass sets. Uh, of course, he didn't see the level of pass rusher that he's going to see at the next level overall. But if you saw him at the senior bowl, you saw him step up against top pass rushers in his class and hold his own more than hold his own very physical player. I think his physical mentality not only helps you in a running game, but in the passing game, because when he gets the chance to dominate you physically, he's going to make sure you feel it in the passing game. And it's going to slow a lot of pass rushers down that don't want to get those hands. Yes, and if you're in the Panthers' war room and hypothetically you're debating between taking either Charles Cross or Trevor Penning, who would your pick be and why? Uh, my pick would be Penning if I had a choice between the two. And like I said, Charles Cross is my tackle for one coming in. But overall, if you watched what Trevor Penning has done in his time in Northern Iowa, if you watched what he did in this whole process of coming up to the Senior Bowl and having an impressive, impressive Senior Bowl week, matching up against, like I said, some of the top pass rushers. And he saw a lot of speed this year in the senior bowl, and he held his own. I think overall, when you saw what he was able to do, he did a lot of the things. And we talk about the pass protection that Charles Cross brings to the game. But overall, Charles Cross, once again, didn't see the exact same pass rushes that he's going to see at the next level. And then there's a lot of questions about him. There's a lot of questions about his durability. There's a lot of questions about his strength. So I think overall, when you look at Charles uh, Cross, I'm going to look at the two guys. I'm going to take the guy that's stronger, the guy that's physical, that's going to give me 150% on every snap, and just going to look to dominate pass rushes as opposed to just wall them off. Well, that's a very good point, but there is still concern about uh, Trevor Penning's uh, play strength at the moment. Do you think he has a frame in which he could add some muscle? Well, I think it's more restructuring his frame, not so much uh, adding more. I think it's a little of taking a little weight off and getting that leaner muscle on there. But overall, if you watched his, his play strength was phenomenal. He was able to anchor very well when people tried to rush him down the middle. So I think overall, what you're going to look for, he's going to have his struggles. Every rookie's going to have their struggles against some of the more experienced pass rushers, guys that can convert that speed to power, uh, the ability to rush him down the middle. He's going to have some of those struggles, but overall, he shows you everything you need. He's a guy, what's he said? A little restructuring, get a little um, more lean muscle on there. 
and he's already strong. He's going to get stronger. And I think overall, you have a guy who you build on. And like I said, I think Cross is still a good player. There's a lot of what ifs about him. I think overall, like I said, when you come into the year, uh, year number one, and you don't perform at that level, you open the door for somebody to pass you. You most certainly do. And it isn't quite common to have a center that is considered by many as a top 10 prospect in a draft. But this is such a year, given the presence of Iowa's Tyler Linderbaum in this class. That said, there are a few knocks on Linderbaum. He doesn't have experience at guard, and he has incredibly short arms, even for a center. Do you consider Tyler Linderbaum as a top 10, top 15 talent? I would say top 15. Um, We know about the arm length. I think it matters a little bit less inside because you're you're fighting a lot more close quarters inside as opposed to on the edge. So overall inside, I think he can overcome the arm length issue inside. It's what we do to all the short arm tackles anyway, where you always kick them inside because they don't have the length to maintain on the outside. But overall, you're looking at a player who's one, like is going to get stronger, a very intelligent football player who understands fronts and is going to get even smarter. Overall, when you look at what he can do inside, the ability to get those combos in there, the ability to call protections, um, the anchor ability. That's one of the best things he has. Although he has those short arms, but when he gets those hands into you and anchors down, you stop. Your pass rush stops. So I think that's one of the things when you look at Linderbaum, he's going to bring a lot to the table with that. It's, it's a knock on him, but everybody's got a knock on him, even first rounders. Oh, absolutely. And uh, Tyler Linderbaum, uh, in most areas, he compares very favorably to Creed Humphrey, uh, mm-hmm. who was selected by the Chiefs in uh, late round two. And we talk about Creed a lot on this show. He absolutely single-handedly almost transformed that Chiefs offensive line. Uh, taking charge his rookie year, he uh, like uh, made that unit uh, into a top 10 unit almost overnight with his leadership alone. And uh, But the main comparison with him and Linderbaum, their wrestling backgrounds. Mm-hmm. How big is Linderbaum's wrestling background going to help him in the NFL? Well, wrestling's huge when it comes to the offensive line and defensive line, the ability to move bodies. Okay. That's something that you need out of those guys up front. Uh, the ability to, to uh, f- move with leverage. Okay. H- leverage, huge issue on the offensive line. If you can't play with leverage, you tend to struggle. We've seen that with the taller tackles like Philele. Well, the fact that he can, he can uh, muscle up inside, the ability he can use that close quarters combat style and hold his own on the inside, I think he'll be fine at center. I think if you give him time at guard, if you want him to get a little bit stronger, a little more season, you can make that move as well. But I think overall, I think he'll be just fine on the inside. I agree as well. And there were four other big winners at the combine. Abraham Lucas of Washington State, Zion Johnson of Boston College, Zach Tom of Wake Forest, and Kellen Deesh of Arizona State. And why were they big winners? They all posted short shuttle times of 4.47 seconds or faster. And according to Josh Norris, another renowned NFL draft expert, Mm -hmm. before last week, just 24 prospects posted such times since 2011. And they combined to start 84% of their career games. So there's a correlation between posting such a time in the short shelf for offensive linemen and being a hit in your career. And such guys that posted it are like a Jason Kelsey, uh, Matt Paradis, uh, Ezra Cleveland, who's going on to be a full-time starter for the uh, Minnesota Vikings, uh, just to, uh, to name a few. And there, there were several others on that list as well. But as they say, tape is king. What aspects on the respective game fields of Abraham Lucas, Zion Johnson, Zach Tom, and Kellen Deesh, if any, suggest they're a long-term starter to you? I think their potential 
long-term starters. I think they're guys who are going to have to learn for a little while. I don't think they're guys you could just throw out there. I, I love the athleticism of these guys, and that's why they perform well in the three-cone and the shuttles. Right? When the, those guys have great change of direction, great um, body lean, bend, right? and they have the ability to turn and move quickly. Something that we love out of offensive linemen. Those are guys you want to be able to mirror um, when you're in pass protection, the ability to locate as you're moving second level downfield on blocks. So, and, and close on and on the proper angles on those second level blocks. So overall, when you're talking about movement skills, you're talking about athleticism, the, the ability to bring that to the offensive line, get stronger, smarter, and they'll become quality starters down the road. I think overall, all of those players have that athleticism trait that everybody loves to see in the offensive linemen. But I think overall, when you talk about skill set, they're still quite raw. Oh, absolutely. And that said, uh, Zion Johnson of Boston College, he's another guy that we saw down in Mobile. He had a fantastic mm -hmm. week down there. And I have him mocked to the Cincinnati Bengals at 30 in my pre-draft mock, which you can find on mm -hmm. uh, sportscrunch.com at the moment. Uh, do you think Zion Johnson is worth it at that point in the first round? Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's going to immediately come in, help the interior that offensive line right away. We saw how with a patchwork offensive line, how the Bengals are able to move through the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl. Uh, had they had a slightly better offensive line, they might even have won the Super Bowl. I think overall, though, when you look at him, he comes into a situation where if he goes to Cincinnati, he comes in, immediately fits in. Uh, gets comfortable in the system, his ability, his athletic ability, his intelligence immediately help fit right in. It gives them the ability to run the ball better, uh, gets uh, Joe, Joe Mixon going in the running game a lot sooner in games as opposed to later. It also gives them better interior protection for Joe Burrow. I think overall, he's a very big upgrade to the interior offensive line for the Bengals. Yes, and now it's time to play a game called Buy or Sell. And in this game, we discuss a prospect that we haven't discussed yet, and you tell me whether you buy or sell their long-term potential in the NFL, starting with one of the most inspiring stories of this draft cycle, Bernhard Ryman of Central Michigan, an immigrant from Austria who made a switch from tight end to offensive tackle uh, during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic and now finds himself to be selected in the first round. Buy or sell, Bernhard Ryman. I'm buying him, but I'm not buying him as an immediate starter. I think Ryman still has a long way to go technique-wise. I think overall he showed the strength. He showed the will the will to uh, finish blocks, to make his blocks consistently. I think overall, when you look at technique-wise, I think he has to do a lot better with hand placement. I think overall at times he gets a little overextended and kind of uh, overshoots with his hands. Gets the hands outside sometimes on blocks. Keep those hands inside framework of the body. Get better with the punch, a little bit stronger punch. Overall, that length and size are going to work for him just fine. And moving to the interior of the offensive line, although this guy has tackle experience as well, Kenyon Green of Texas A&M. Buy or sell Kenyon Green? Oh, I'm buying Kenyon Green. I think he's going to be a long-term starter inside for some team. Uh, you're talking about a guy that's – we talked about physical. All right, we talk about a guy who's – Position flexibility, right guard, left guard, possibly right tackle because he's played some right tackle. I think if he could do that in a pinch, I wouldn't keep him out there full time. But I think overall, if you had to, if you're short both of your tackles and you had to kick somebody out that's inside, you can kick him out for a game or two to right tackle. But Kenyon Green is that physical player, that thicker body guard, but overall can move for a thicker body guard. Darian Kennard of Kentucky, buy or sell? 
speaking of uh, thicker body guards, I think uh, uh, kicking him inside the guard is a definite buy. A little harder to sell at tackle because he does have the ability to play right tackle, but he'd be a right tackle only prospect. Kicking him inside allows you to put him on either side. I think overall, once he gets used to being inside full time at guard and getting used to the bigger, faster, stronger bodies inside at the next level, I think he'll be fine at the next level at guard. I think overall, he has the size, he has the strength, he has the uh, fight and will power to anchor down and and fight through on the inside so i think overall when you look at it it's just a matter of him understanding when we're passing off stunts uh understanding where the blitzes are coming from and um basically understanding the full protection scope and i think overall he'll be fine inside another uh interior offensive lineman that dane brugler is uh, apparently high on jamari sawyer of georgia buy or sell jamari sawyer i'm going to sell Sawyer. I think overall, I think he's still going to be a fine guard. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he's not. I just think overall, when you look at the the talent inside in this class, I think he is top of the second tier of guards in this class. I think overall, you look at him, he's, uh, he's got the athleticism, he's got the strength, but overall, we talk about hand strength as far as uh, hand fighting inside, the ability to um, to win on consistently on run blocks. I think the next level up inside um, is going to give him a problem. A lot of the speed inside. I think overall that's where it is. He's, he's a slow get off at times. I think that kind of hurts him as far as uh, controlling in a running game. So I think overall he's going to be a quality player at the next level. I think overall he's. I think there are going to be better guards that wind up guys like Canard and all those guys to kick inside um, that are going to be better. And this was another guy we saw down in Mobile. I had the blessing of interviewing him, Max Mitchell of Louisiana Lafayette. Buy or sell Max Mitchell? I'm going to buy him. I'm going to buy him. I think Max Mitchell, oh, once again, we talked about another guy who's uh, unpolished, right? Still a lot, a very raw. I think overall, he's going to be a guy that you're going to have to sit him for about a year or two to get him fully adept to the next level. We talk about those athletes, bigger, faster, stronger. We can talk about the different fronts he's going to see, the different blitz packages he's going to see. It's going to be overwhelming for him at first. I think overall, as he gets stronger, as he gets comfortable with what he sees, um, getting used to playing with the players he's going to play with, I think overall, he can give you a very quality player in a couple of years. Another guy we saw down in Mobile, Dylan Parham of Memphis, mm -hmm. a good center. Buy or sell, Dylan Parham. In center and guard, because I remember watching him at guard a couple uh, in a couple of games this year when I attended his um, UCF game. So I think overall, Parham is a yeah, possession flexible guy, a uh, little light, so he's going to have to get stronger, but excellent athlete as we saw at the combine. Overall, the athleticism's there. I think overall, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to come in. He'll compete right away if he wins the job or not, but overall, he'll be a starter at some point. Last year, for the first time in a while, we had a Tulsa Golden Hurricane go in the first round in Zayvon Collins. Mm -hmm. And this year, we could see it again with Tyler Smith, as uh, many people think he could sneak into the bottom half of the first round. Do you buy or sell Tyler Smith? As a first-round pick, no. I do think he'll get picked day two. I think that's that's where the good range for him. I, I I don't see him sneaking into the first round. There's still a lot of quality guys ahead of him. Um, if it, only way he sneaks into the first round is if somebody really ha likes him a lot and they have him higher on the board than most people anticipate. I see him going day two. Sean Ryan of UCLA. He had a nightmare game at tackle against Kayvon Thibodeau this past year, but a lot of people think he could be very very successful on the inside. Buy or sell Sean Ryan? 
I'm going to sell that because I'm not sure he's going to get strong enough to stay inside. I mean, we know he has the ability, the size to go inside. Uh, we know the struggles on the outside with speed. He struggles with punch. So overall, I think strength overall is a big issue for him. I know speed off the edge is a big issue for him. Kicking inside, if he's a guy who's not going to be able to handle the speed and outside, uh, guess what? Some of those guys inside are fast, if not faster, than some of the things he's going to see off the edge, other than a guy running off the off the screaming off the corner. I think sometimes with those the quickness of those D tackles inside, the stunts that he's going to see, even the looping defensive ends coming inside on a stunt, being able to handle the game and switch off. I think the stuff that he can handle um as far as technique-wise, but I think overall, when it comes to the overall anchor issue, I've seen that consistently. That that worries me about kicking him inside. We know that punch is, is a strength, punch strength is a problem. This is why he'd struggle with Thibodeau because there were times he was in position but couldn't hold Thibodeau off of this punch. So I think overall, you watch his game, I think strength is a major issue. And if you, you're not strong enough, as we saw with certain tackles like Connor Williams, the guy we all loved, they said, oh, he's going to be great inside, but He's been in the league four years and has never gotten strong enough to handle the size inside. So that's a big concern for me with him. Moving on to a pair of Buckeyes, starting with Thayer Mumford. Buy or sell Thayer Mumford. I'm selling Mumford. And, and, and I, as much as I like the athleticism we've seen from him, overall, when you watch the film, he was physically dominated on several occasions by several teams, starting with Oregon, finishing with Michigan. Speed gives him an issue. Power gives him an issue. And when you have a guy like that who's big enough, that you say, okay, you kick him inside. Well, he's going to have to face even more power inside with some speed as well. So I think overall, you just kicking him inside isn't going to fix the issue. He's, I think he's going to struggle at tackle at the next level. He's be a right tackle only prospect if you did play him at tackle. I think overall, I think he's going to be one of those guys that, that may stay on the roster for depth. But as a starter, he may be a, a below average starter at the next level. What about his Buckeyes teammate, Nicholas Petit Frere, buy or sell? Another one that we talk about uh, selling because you bring the guy you got to put inside. Most likely, I think it, you know you can't keep him outside. Um, it struggles at times with anchor struggles at times with strength we saw issues with that ohio state run game at times moving the ball even when they tried running behind him i think he's a guy who can make the cutoff blocks in his own scheme i think he could be serviceable inside i think overall though he's a guy who'll be possibly a long-term backup a quality the the, the serviceable starter at guard he is Jeff Barnes, ladies and gentlemen, cover to draft.com. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff Barnes 29. Jeff, thank you so much once again for joining us. But before we let you go, let's talk about some of the ideal landing spots for some of these prospects, starting with Evan Neal. If there was any team you could pick in the NFL that has a realistic shot of drafting Evan Neal, where would you like to see him go? Um, I'd like to see him in Jacksonville. I think overall you put him out there with, uh, of course, the, the guy he competed against for a national championship in Trevor Lawrence. I think overall he's going to be a nice young player to protect the young quarterback. I think you have to pair him with a younger quarterback as opposed to a younger, more mobile quarterback as opposed to a veteran. And since you gave Evan Neal to the Jaguars, where would you like to see Ikea Kwanu? Okay, Ikea Kwanu is a player that you could fit in a bunch of places. You could fit him with the Jets. You could fit him with the Giants. I know the Giants would love to have him and finally somebody with Thomas or him and Becton, okay, along with uh, 
the guard that they drafted last year, who I loved at guard. He was one of my top guards. So I think that it, it would boost either New York line. He's a huge help to either one of those teams. And plus, the, he's going to be a guy that you could move anywhere on that line and be successful. Charles Cross. Charles Cross. In the end, if you're going to look at a finesse uh, line, I would say Kansas City. I think overall, they're not a power run team. They're more finesse, protect Mahomes. Um, we're going to work some run in there. I think overall, he'd be a nice guy to come into Kansas City. Uh, if he doesn't start away, he'd be a nice swing tackle early in his career while he gets a little bit stronger, gets a little bit better, gets a little familiar with the pass rushers, and eventually he'd be a quality starter in the offensive line at tackle. I think just you give him a chance to come into a, a system like that where he doesn't have to be what the, the beast tackles are the Pennings and the Aquanus are. If you let him come into a finesse system like that, he can do what he does. Oh, yeah. If uh, he falls that far, he would make perfect sense for the Chiefs to fill that right tackle spot that uh, is still very much in flux. What about Trevor Penning? Trevor Penning. Ooh, there's a bunch of teams that could use him. Um, a, a good spot for him would be Philadelphia. You know, Philadelphia, we talk about tackles. Elaine Johnson's getting older. Okay, on the opposite side, yeah, they do have uh, – the young tackle on the opposite side, but guess what? He's been injured a lot. So you always need three tackles. And I believe he's a guy to come in. All right. If you have both your starting tackles there, if you're not going to use them as a swing, throw them in there at guard, put your best five out there. He's strong enough, fast enough. He'll be able to play at, uh, along with those guys. And so you have to move them outside permanently. So I think overall, Philadelphia is a good landing spot for him. Indianapolis is a good landing spot for him. Well, Indianapolis is going to get to the point where you got to start paying those offensive linemen. Well, you got to pay offensive linemen. You got to pay a lot of other players on that team, especially on the defensive side of the ball, the Darius Leonard's of the world. So if you're going to start paying guys, the young talent like that that could come in and consistently boost your offensive line and keep it fresh, keep it young, keep it talented is a good spot for him as well. What about Tyler Linderbaum? Linderbaum. Well, I don't see him making it out of the top 10. So if you think about the top 10 teams, he fits in anywhere. Um, I think uh, I, although Detroit, we see going defense, he'd be great in Detroit to help uh, keep Jared Goff upright from, from the inside out. They be already a have a center in Frank Ragnow. Yeah, yeah, but you but you also move Ragnow to guard. He also had the ability to play guard at Michigan. So, uh, so you, nothing wrong with having two very good guys inside, and Ragnow is a good player. Um, you could also um, kick him further back down. Like I said, the New York Giants could use him. Okay, they've had weaknesses on the inside area line. We Hernandez just did not turn out to what we hoped he would be. He's been quality, but he just hasn't been. We thought he was going to be a world beater. He has not been that. Uh, the right guard, they've had issues. So uh, center, they've had a quality center. He could be an upgrade at center as well. And same thing with the Jets. You got to play, uh, they need help on the inside. There's still holes on the interior of that offensive line. There's still a hole at right tackle. So I think overall, you talk about teams in that top 10, those are easy fixes. Uh, what about the Seattle Seahawks? I think they could use him. They could use him indeed. Um, but they also need tackle help too because their tackles are aging. And they're, they're actually underperforming. So I think overall, you're going to look at the Seattle Seahawks. Now you have um, Drew Locke as your quarterback. You're going to have to uh, probably bring in another young man and compete with him. So overall, when you look at it, I think they go tackle before they go interior. Yeah, that makes sense. What about Kenyon Green? 
Kenyon Green. Well, speaking of which, I don't know if Dallas resigns Connor Williams, but I know they would love to have Kenyon Green fill in that spot at left guard. Also, Zach Barton started to take on injuries at right at right guard. It may be time to bring in his eventual replacement. I know they have Connor McGovern, who showed he had issues as a full-time starter last year. So I think Dallas would be an excellent fit for him if he falls that far. I had a mocked to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in my first mock. Do you think he would be a perfect replacement for Ali Marpet? He would. He would. And also they might lose Kappa as well. I believe he's a free agent. So yeah, they're the right. They, the Bucks may get rated on the offensive line this year. So we know about the loss of Marpet, the retirement. If Kappa leaves via free agency, they're going to have to replace him as well. So there's both guard spots that are open. I think overall, though, he's a he's a great replacement to fit in on any team's interior. He fits what uh, Ron, uh, Bruce Arians wants to do offensively, the ability to maul you in the running game, the ability to protect in the passing game. He can hold up and play action pass as well. Bernard Ryman. Ryman. Um, overall, I think He's one of those guys that we, we still need to work with him. Um, I think he'd be better off starting out on the right side before eventually moving to left. I think overall, I think a great spot for him would be New England. Um, I think you talk about the big tackles, um, and we know how they love Isaiah Wynn. Well, this gives you the ability to kick Isaiah Wynn back inside after a while once you get Ryman comfortable at left tackle. So I think overall, I think that would be a great spot, and it helps keep Mac Jones protected. Abraham Lucas. Lucas, for me, I think is still a little more project. I don't think he's re- uh, day one ready. So um, if, if I'm somebody like a Kansas City, if I'm somebody like the uh, Las, Las Vegas Raiders, a team that has a couple of veteran tackles already, that's re- that has the ability to, to give him a year as a swing tackle or get fully comfortable before we move him into a lineup, I think those are places that he fits in. We talked about the Bengals as a team fit for Zion Johnson. Any other teams come to mind for Zion Johnson? Oh, Carolina is for one. I think Carolina could definitely use Zion Johnson. Uh, uh, we talked about teams using interior help. The Philadelphia Eagles could use that help. The, we, both New York teams we talked about you could use the interior help of Zion Johnson. Um, even uh, we talked about, well, we already said Cincinnati. Um, drawing a blank on the team name right now <laughs> uh, <laughs> this happens quite often during draft season forgive me um uh believe it or not cleveland like cleveland's aging on the inside of their offensive line so it's gonna be a certain point before those guys who are playing at a high level now start to get a little bit older the contract gets a little more expensive injuries start to build up there's a guy you can immediately move right in that's possible landing spots for kellen Deesh. All right. So I think Kellen Deesh, once again, we talk about teams that have tackles. Well, how about a team in the Minnesota Vikings? Once again, they have tackles. Um, eventually, we know Neil's still kind of young, so he's going to be around for a little while, or even the Rams. Well, we know this is what worse last year. Okay, here's another place where he can come in, learn, and eventually take over. And I know Note Boom is probably going to be, if they resign him, it's going to probably be an answer for them there if they don't draft somebody else. I think Kellen Deesh could come in there, fit in fine. You, um, Havenstein can't last forever at right tackle. Eventually, you're going to have to replace him. So I think he's going to be a nice place in the, after a couple of seasons of getting comfortable with the NFL level to jump in. 
And last but not least, Zach Tom. Zach Tom, I think overall, is uh, you wanted to give him another. He's another one I still think is more project than NF than uh, day one ready to start and compete. I think you give him a chance to come in uh, with a veteran offensive line, learn, and when it's time to move one of those veterans on, you move him in. I think once again, you look at teams that could use him. New England can use him. Um, the Rams could definitely use the depth. Uh, we talked about the the Bengals We're needing plenty of offensive line depth. They could use them as well. Um, and even Dallas can use them. I think overall, when you look at their, their tackle situation, Tyron Smith is consistently out. Um, Lyle Collins hasn't been the same since the injury, the hip injury. Um, and their swing tackle is a question. So I know Ter- the Steel is a guy that they use in swing tackle. He's had his ups and downs this year. He's improved from his rookie year. But overall, he's there in need of depth on the offensive line. He is Jeff Barnes, ladies and gentlemen, cover to draft.com. Thank you so much once again for joining us tonight, Jeff. And that's it for now here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back in just a few days to continue our 2022 Dash to the Draft series with a look at the quarterback class with my main man, Mark Schofield. So stay tuned. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at Sports Crunch with dcrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, be sure to check out the new and improved sportscrunch.com, where my first mock draft of the 2022 draft cycle is now posted. For Jeff Barnes, you can once again follow on Twitter at JeffBarnes29. This is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, and whatever you're doing, keep the brave people of Ukraine in your thoughts and prayers. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool. Stay cool.